0: All right, folks, here we are. This has been a long time coming. Um, I am with one of my dearest friends, Katie Siba. And I'm gonna introduce you, like I don't know anything about you, so that everyone else can know more about you and who you are and what we're gonna be talking about. All right, go. All right. So Katie Siba is an international speaker, retreat writer, and a nine-time Catholic Press Award-winning columnist. She holds a degree in theology from Benedictine College and her work on Catholic minimalism, spiritual intimacy with Jesus, as well as marriage and family has impacted audiences nationwide. Katie writes for the Catholic Telegraph in Cincinnati and has been featured on several podcasts and radio shows, including this one, this very first one of mine. Right. And uh, recently you were on EWT, EWTN radio talking about what we're going to talk about tonight. Minimalism, and we'll get into it from a Christian perspective, but we might just do like nuts and bolts. Um, Minimalism, but Katie's a Nebraska native, I want to say. No, born elsewhere, but you've lived in Nebraska for a long time. Yeah, most of my life, yeah. Where were you born?
1: Uh, Langley, Air Force Base. So uh new well, Newport News, Virginia, but okay. my stationed at Lingley. So but we moved to Nebraska when I was two or three. So Okay, so you're basically a native. Sort of a sort of native, yeah. We've adopted you. You can
0: stay. You can stay. So and right now you're living in Papillion, yes. Nebraska. So local-ish to where I am, but we don't see each other far enough. So Katie, I want to start off for people that don't know about minimalism or what it is or what it should be. Can you just give us a little, a little brief explanation of about what minimalism is and, um, like what your take is on it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Minimalism is one of those, uh, terms and trends that has taken on a whole variety of meanings. So I felt quite free to learn about it and then say okay this is my go at it this is my interpretation of it so with regard to minimalism my approach is that you examine yourself your charisms your gifts your passions and you make a way a life for that Mm. more specifically i say we examine what god calls us to do we make a way for that and then we trim the fat. So the noise, the excess, the time demands that distract from those things, those go and everything else gets to stay. So minimalism is, at least in my approach, is not at all about paring down your possessions, paring down your temporal demands to be the most minimal possible, right? Because we want to live, but it's about living more fully without all of the noise and excess that's
0: so interesting because that is not even after all the conversations you and i have had that is not what i think of when i think of minimalism when i think of minimalism i think of like the white house where everything's white there's like a fork a spoon you know per person and maybe there's not even that many people in the house i just don't think of it as a way to live your life with the, with what God has called you to do in oh. your particular life. I've never thought about minimalism within the scope of charisms or your apostolate or those kind of things. I've just never thought of that.
1: Yeah, so- I think it's-, it's typical for people to think of minimalism and pair it with exactly what you said. So like the minimal like visual imposition, right? So mm-hmm. white house, white furniture, white, 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 white um one fork you yeah. know and, yeah. and one of each thing and sure like that can be absolutely a way to live if that's what you're going for absolutely you know but i think if you were to walk into my home you wouldn't know right off the bat this woman's a minimalist you know because we we have a, a small home quite intentionally it's about 1400 square feet maybe a little above four or seven people and so everything's like our space is taken up. It's occupied, but it's also a small house. It's a small house on purpose. so i I think it's really important, especially if you're trying to live simply, to understand that your approach to simplicity and minimalism will be as unique as your own soul mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to follow anybody else's pattern
0: that's such a relief well if you would (laughs) I know right (laughs) well if you would walk around my house I don't know I struggle with this so a lot of this is going to be me bouncing ideas off of you for the sake of everybody else that might be listening but it is so interesting to me when I think about minimalism and how to live it in my life I have so many things that go on in my head like I'm a creative person and so when I think about, um, minimalizing my craft supplies, it like breaks my heart. And then there's also not trying to get too tangential here, but there's also this element for me of fear of like, and I think it's been exacerbated since COVID because when COVID hit, it was like, well, where am I going to get my clothes? Where am I going to get the things that I might need? And so it kind of sparked this, um, like gathering like squirrel mentality of like oh i but i need my craft stuff and like i don't want to do and i still have a little bit of that but i also really just like being surrounded by um things that i might make something out of but but it tends to clutter up my space because i don't have a really succinct way of organizing all of that stuff and like I realize other people live in my house and it's just it's not my big like art studio so what do
1: you say to that <laughs> I oh my gosh okay so when it comes to the things that we have that correspond with our passions you know so you talk about your craft stuff do you do your craft stuff on a somewhat regular basis and by that I mean like even once twice a year oh yeah for sure and it's something that is life-giving for you yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so marie kondo as a lot of us know she talks about you know holding on to things that spark joy right mm-hmm. and sure there is something to that but i prefer to use the term life-giving mm. uh because i think that goes a lot deeper than something That like just makes you happy right there in the moment. Oh, this makes me so happy! I'm gonna keep it. It makes me happy. But no, is it is it life giving? Is it contributing to you as a person, to your own soul? Is it contributing to the life of your family, to your vocation? Mm -hmm. And when you are participating in your craft things and your activities, what is life giving for you is ultimately going to be life giving in your family. I know that when i am doing things that i just relish in and that give me a thrill when i return to my family i'm a new woman yes i am on fire and excited and i'm i'm just full of life yeah and they see it
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know versus when i go to them after having been drained of doing something that isn't as life-giving you know and life is chock full of those activities that we just have to do anyway you know but um the contrast is most definitely present so yeah. when it comes to okay i have this passion of mine i need space for it in my home i think you know if you're oscillating back and forth do i just toss it cuz i don't do it often but no if it's life giving then you Give yourself that respect and say, "No, I'm not doing this every day. I'm not even doing this once a month. But when I do this, this is good, yeah, for me and for my family. And so it deserves its space. And maybe to make sure that that space is not imposing on yeah. the other more frequently demanded things of your life, but at least it has that space, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. I love that idea of having, having the things that bring you joy and having the space for it. So I guess this might be a good little transition place to ask you what your minimalist story is. Like what really got you into this? I mean, obviously we know, I I know you. And so I know you love to give retreats and speak, which I wouldn't, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I wouldn't think Takes up that much space in your home? Like you need your computer and maybe a printer. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, but like, what what was it that got you into min- minimalism? Or did you grow up in a family where minimalism was a thing? Or you know? Oh, good you-
1: questions. No, I living simply was not um, a concerted effort in my home growing up. We didn't necessarily live in excess, but it just wasn't a familial pursuit, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I mean, I'm, I'm a minimalist, but, um, my unhealthy coping mechanism is shopping. Mm, interesting. With, like oh inter- God, God. all the time. All the time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's been a hard day Etsy, And then I'm like, I'm not going to buy that. <laughs> you know? Um, but at one point I remember I was looking for a watch for myself. Just wanted a watch. I wanted a nice watch that would last a while. And what struck me was this concept of quality over quantity. Mm. I I found a, a like a cute watch at Kohl's, right, for like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. I was like, yay, you know. And it, it lasted like two, three months. This watch. Yeah. And and then I think I got like some sort of digital replacement. And then ultimately, somewhere down the line. I decided to get a watch from Fossil, and I thought this is gonna last. Yeah, it's gonna last. And I started looking online at just different concepts. I was looking for someone out there to validate the thoughts and experiences I was having. I wanted someone out there to validate this concept of quality over quantity of this internal battle I had between monasticism
0: mm.
1: and then can you
0: sorry can you explain what that is a little bit?
1: Yes, so I was to to finish that one thought that sure. I was struggling between monasticism and then also just like buying stuff for my house. Mm-hmm. So when I would think of monasticism, I thought of bare walls mm-hmm. having the minimal requirement for living. So in my home, if I were to have gone with a monastic approach, it would have been like, we have our one Bible. We have a handful of plates. We don't have much on the walls and we pray. We have things that we need and nothing more. Yeah. And having gone to Benedictine and we had the abbey on campus so i was able to see very closely what monastic life was like it was very intentional yeah. and i thought that that was so beautiful yes oh man what if my life didn't have to have all of this noise what if i weren't worried about having bathroom towels that matched my shower curtain
0: <laughs> i don't worry about that still yeah praise the lord good
1: good for you <laughs> <laughs> at one point, like I was, I I love home decor. Yeah. So I would become quite easily preoccupied with those little details. Yeah. And I want to have this kind of arrangement and this kind of toss pillow and like just I would get lost in those details. And anyway, I, I was looking for someone else anywhere online who had a similar experience. I found Joshua Becker yeah, who had his familiar. website Becoming Minimalist. Mm-hmm. I latched onto him real fast because I was like, holy cow, I didn't know anybody else thought like this. Right. I had no idea. So I think I started reading his stuff in 2012, which was right around the time he started writing. Yeah. And so he and I were kind of living parallel lives in a sense in discovering minimalism and living simply and the fullness of life that came through doing so right around this time i found out i was expecting our third Okay, so we were so excited um my husband and i lived with our two boys in a 1200 square foot home in louisiana and if you know southern living we didn't have a basement so Our 1,200 square foot house was really 1,200 square feet with horrible storage. You know, it was was so bad. So we had a family party. We had a bunch of people over to the house to surprise everyone with, guess what? Number three is coming. And after we sprung it on everyone and it was so exciting and everyone was so thrilled for us and congratulations and all that, one family member came up to me and said, well, when are you going to move? And I was like, <laughs> do we need to move? Honestly, mm-hmm. it hadn't even occurred to me. We had a maybe a two and a half bedroom house. I mean, technically three, but that that third one was really more like a half than anything else. <laughs> Big closet. And it was it was so tiny. It was like this little cupboard. It was so tiny. This bedroom, and we were a single income family, and I thought, okay this is the home that God provides for us through my husband's work and my husband and I have already agreed that this is the lifestyle we want to have with me being at home with the kids and um so this is this house is what we can afford and moving as we all know it's expensive very expensive even if you move across
0: town oh my gosh <laughs> yeah right it's just... It's more than what you think it ought to be. It is more than what it ought to be.
1: So I thought, okay, well, I'm not moving. And Andrew, my husband, expressed some anxiety like, oh my gosh, how are we going to fit family of five and 1,200 square feet with one bathroom? How are we going to do this? And I was so convicted and I felt so encouraged and determined that I said to him, I'm not only going to make this house work for us, I'm going to make it perfect for us. It will be absolutely ideal and i'll show you and then i got to work i uh you know i had the hormones of nesting on my side right i got this like legal pad and i made a list of all of the all all of the rooms in our house (laughs) this is a small sweet modest number (laughs) Uh, all all four rooms in the house and um And underneath each room, I put different parts of the room that I most definitely wanted to purge. But I made a point to go into any given room and do kind of like a wave across the room. So I would start in one corner and I would do a wave across the whole, like all the walls until I got back to that one corner. And I made sure I addressed like any furniture or storage in the middle. Mm -hmm. And quite gradually, I purged our home of excess and I was astonished. I couldn't believe how much we owned unnecessarily. And then I walked into our kitchen, which was this really pokey galley kitchen that had a washer and dryer in it. And it was just, just tiny, tiny, tiny. And we had this behemoth microwave, top of the line LG microwave, sitting on the very little counter space we had taking up so much space and i thought i wonder if we really need that Mm -hmm. at this point andrew already knew that i was on fire for getting rid of stuff and this is a a rule that i have and something i convey to absolutely everyone that i work with is that i would go to town on my stuff and on the kids stuff because they were toddlers babies I wouldn't touch his stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's his
0: yeah.
1: so it's his job to do whatever he wanted with his stuff but I had I I was gonna say I had no comment about how much he. <laughs> that's not true.
0: Yeah, I would love to kind of dig into that a little bit because it's opposite in our family, like my husband is the one that's like like I have to convince him like you go buy some clothes, you know, like he's very much more the I would say monastic like he is just much more like I don't need five pairs of pants i'll just. His rule has always been like one in the one on my body, one in the wash, one in the closet. like that's kind of how he's always function. I know, I know. Oh. And then he married. what does that mean? It's like there's people that keep everything and there's people that give away everything and they marry each other. That's yeah, total- yeah, yeah. so my husband has has always like been very gentle with me, but always I can tell even for both of us that too much stuff. Makes us both angry and like anxious. And so, but he re- greatly respects my stuff. And I would say, I'm not super proud of this, but like probably 99% of the stuff in the house is my stuff. Yeah. Or, right. And by mine, I mean like mine and the kids. But that's a really interesting point that I would love to ask you about is how do you, as and let's just pretend you know that there are stay-at-home dads maybe listening to this but like how do you as the main home manager if you decide you know there's just too much stuff for me to manage in this house but like it's not all mine like some of it's my spouse and maybe let's just pretend the spouse is the person that picks up stuff from the side of the road and they're going to make up something from it or whatever <laughs> Um, Like, what do you, what do you say to the, the person who's trying to manage the home to get rid of stuff so they don't have so so much stuff to manage, but like, it's not their stuff. And, And more importantly, and I've, I have called Katie many times, like, what do I do about bedrooms, kids' bedrooms and stuff like that, where it's just like, I know that rock is super special to you, but it's just a perspective of like, but you don't need that rock or you don't need my kids will keep literal trash and it.
1: Yeah, I know. it,
0: it is, is the most insane thing. I don't know where they get it from, but like they'll just keep trash. And that mm-hmm. was a joke. They get it from me. But like, but you know, but it, when it's their trash, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. You can't keep trash, but they so. Watch me, mom. Anyway, I just like opened up a, bench, a bunch of wor- a can of worms. But like, how do you, so let maybe let's just do this first. How do you talk to the people that you love about living in this space together, but maybe there's too much stuff. And so you're dealing with emotions of like, well, I wanna keep this because it's special to me because this reason and that. How do you even begin that conversation and, and what do you say? Like, what are words that you would actually say to convey? Like, there's no peace in this home. How do you talk to like a six-year-old about that or a husband or a wife who is just like, I need to keep this because I'm going to do something with it. Sure. Ooh, girl. Okay. okay let's just give opinions. Maybe, maybe there's no solutions. Like everybody has to come up with their own, yeah,
1: you know, right. life strategy, absolutely-
0: But like, what would what would
1: your suggestions be yeah right okay so let's let's start with like the the spouse step yeah um so I am very easily convicted when I find something that makes sense to me and it clicks with me I am all in Mm -hmm. and so with minimalism and living simply I I realized how beautifully it supported the life that we were going for Mm -hmm. and so I was all in immediately I was like, Oh, yes, this is what it is minimal. I'm a minimalist. That's me. That's what I do. That's what we do. Um, But then there were there were most definitely spaces where it was obvious that like my husband was not taking the same approach. I'm not going to say that he had all of this excess, not at all, but he most definitely had more. And that was emphasized by the fact that I was paring down so much. Mm right? So it kind of acted as almost a foil in a way, right? And the more I was getting rid of our excess, the more delightful life became. I wasn't constantly cleaning up after the kids. (laughs) They were, as toddlers, able to learn to tidy up after themselves. I wasn't stressed and overrun by our home anymore that was remarkable so that made a huge difference in my life and in my countenance Mm. it made a big difference in my husband's experience of me so i didn't touch his stuff but in time he started to see okay something's different what is this
0: yeah i like that a
1: lot it I was like really that. lovely because i i didn't try to change anything about him mm-hmm. um i didn't it, it was very 12-steppy you yeah know? So you like, I
0: both love the 12-step
1: Love it love it love it like so keep my side of the street clean all right so what belongs to me is mine to manage and if that means that there are too many clothes for me to manage then let's get rid of some um oh and a side note with regard to clothing if you don't like how you feel in it,
0: get rid of it. Oh, you're saying so many things that I'm like, I gotta keep notes. Cause there's so many <laughs> I wanna hit on. So, okay. So just to round that out, what you're saying is, is to just live it, live it first. So maybe you don't even need to say anything. You just live it. And then hopefully your spouse will come along when they see your mood change, maybe their life Well, certainly their life will change if you're not mad and cleaning up all the time or whatever the case may be. So they're going to see the joy that's coming from ditching belongings. And, and then hopefully your kids, depending on their ages, I've got kids that are older and different personalities. So I would say one of them kind of feels like turning the Titanic around. Like, how do I get, how do we how do we do this? And well, I'm trying to set a good example, but, but that's hard. That's hard. I, I would say, um, so, so just to take this in a little bit different direction, how do you, if you're the person that maybe has difficult time getting rid of things, what would you say when you when you encounter those kind of people, what do you say to deal with the emotions surrounding belongings? Because I think that that's a huge reason why people can't part with things is like, I got this on our honeymoon, or I got this from my grandma and my grandma's dead now. And I, you know, I'm really attached to this because this is, it's like, kind of a term that I came up with, like legacy trash. Like, I don't really want this, but like, it's been passed down you know uncle so-and-so made it and then you know passed it to my grandma my grandma gave it to my mom and my mom gave it to me and like i don't know what's so important about this thing i think we all have probably an object that's like that so or maybe that just the fear like what i was speaking about earlier like when COVID hit where am i going to get this stuff like i remember during COVID, i was all of a sudden worried because i you know, there was all this talk about like shortages in every, in every arena of life. And I remember like the year before my Chaco sandals, which I basically live in, in the summertime had broken and I yeah. didn't need new ones right away, you know, cause it's Nebraska and it's like winter and cold. So I'm not going to be wearing my Chacos. It, it felt like for another nine months, well then COVID hit in March and all of a sudden I was like, my Chacos. I don't have any sandals to wear and I'm freaking out. Anyway, my good friend, Brooke, was like, "Ah, I got I got you covered. Like she had bought her daughter two pairs, one to try on. And anyway, they were my size. God provides for sure. But like, what do you what do you say to those people that are either keeping stuff out of guilt, out Mm -hmm. of fear? I find my keeping is mostly out of fear, like I there's only one of these in the whole world. And I happen to have it, but I don't really need it. But what if I need it later? like, what do you do? How do you, I mean, that's like a big, I'm asking you very loaded questions, but like, what, what would you say about the emotion piece of this?
1: Right. So we are body and soul, right? So we are, we're going to be drawn to the spiritual and the physical and both are good. And I think that's, um, a misconception that a lot of people have about minimalism is that it's that stuff is bad. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, it's not it it's not bad. It just needs to contribute some practicality or beauty to your life. Like let's, let's go with that. Right. And so if there's a thing that you're keeping out of guilt, like, uh, I have a friend who has this brass reindeer, right? A brass reindeer. And it was his mother's and it was her mother's. And he doesn't even like it, it's hideous to him. But his mama gave it to him as a gift,
0: hmm.
1: and uh, she has kept tabs on like the inventory of his possessions because he always has interest at all. Mm-hmm. And he said, On you know, this very sad day when my mother passes away, that reindeer is going in the trash. Like, he's just, I mean not to be disrespectful but like if you're that
0: attached to it i mean i i would take it i'm into collectible <laughs> no that's really interesting though isn't it when people give you things and then they keep tabs on like well it's it's christmas or whatever season you set reindeers out i don't know that chris that's christmas to me but like where is it in the house like this game of where's waldo and i don't mean to be disrespectful to that family member but i have had similar circumstances where like i've been given things and then i'm not allowed to like paint it refinish it whatever and i finally had to set a rule if it comes into my house it's mine and i I will do with it what i see fit and And i I, think that's I have to say that to to my my dear, sweet mama. I love my mom so much. So mom, if you're watching this, I, but I understand it. I I do understand it, but she gave me her sewing table that my dad had given her for their first wedding anniversary. She doesn't use it because later on in their marriage, he built her this beautiful sewing room. Like she's got an entire sewing room and, Mm -hmm. um, and it's a beautiful 1970s, like it's really, really cute but it needs pa- i'm looking over here because it's right next to me but um i it needs painted and and she was like i was like can i paint it or refinish it and she kind of went oh and i was like if i can't i don't want it Yeah, right. i <laughs> think the with it yet but i it but it's just this idea of like letting go and fully letting go
1: Detachment Mm -hmm. is paramount to this whole thing. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it's the ability to see things as things and Mm -hmm. people as people.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And even though like, I know that I have been the recipient of things that were quite meaningful to others and not nearly as meaningful to me. And so like, you know, okay, so case in point, a jar, let's pretend that this is an heirloom jar and I've received this after generations. And for one reason or another, it just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. It's not the most precious thing in the world. Okay, well, great. So I will find someone who can use this better than I can. Mm -hmm. Because the point of having material possessions is to use them to enjoy them. And if now, if I'm not going to enjoy it, then okay, then who would enjoy it more and pass it on? That microwave that um, we had on our counter At one point, I said to Andrew, like, what if we just didn't have this anymore? And that was my first big, I don't know, it felt radical getting rid of a microwave. It felt radical as an American. It is radical. We didn't have a microwave, you know? And so we put it, we didn't get rid of it immediately, but we put it in a separate room for like a month just to see if we would miss it. If we would be like, you know what? We are microwave people. Let's haul that thing out. Right. After a month, six weeks, we didn't even notice. And a friend of mine put on Facebook looking for microwave recommendations. Ours just up and died this morning. And I was so excited. I called her up and I said, Hey, you just want one? I have I have one. You come get it right now. Because that by that point, I was getting rid of enough things that I, in time, started to see things in their proper order that stuff was just stuff yeah and it was meant for blessing people yeah she was over the moon she was so excited and so was I my toddler cried I don't I don't know (laughs) no more buttons
0: no more buttons. no more yeah so yeah I think um, I, I I really I really appreciate that because I I grew up thrift shopping with my grandma and it's one of my favorite memories from my childhood and i continue that to this day i love thrift stores i love them um so um when i can find things that other people have given it's it reminds me of what a gift and a blessing when you can find things at a reduced price and it just like fits the bill for what you're looking for and um and recently I've had this experience twice where, so the church that I go to, we have this online, like amongst us women, we have this online, like buy, sell, give trade. Yeah. And um, for the longest time I've wanted a bed skirt. And then I was like, for my bed. And so I was obviously, what else would a bed skirt be before? Anyway. <laughs> I felt the need to clarify that. But anyway, so I was like looking for a bed skirt and I was looking online and I don't know, there was just something about like an $80 bed skirt that I felt was a little ridiculous. And so I was like, whatever, I'll just wait, I'll just wait until I find one. So I kind of put it out of my mind for, I don't know, for a while. And then all of a sudden a bed skirt, the same color that I was looking for, came up on this buy, sell trade. And I like did the little emoji hand, I'm like me. And that happened a few months ago too, we were looking for a table for our homeschool area in our room and somebody offered up a free table and it was just the right size just what we were it was beautiful. Um, so I took it and like you know did my little <laughs> to it paint sanding all the things wow. and it was just perfect and um, I just I love those stories where where you can just give stuff to people who want it who need it who are looking for it so where my problem lies is i have a as much as i love thrift stores i love finding stuff at thrift stores this is just a little tangent my little opinion i feel like they've gotten really expensive lately Mm -hmm. and i don't love i don't love giving my stuff to the thrift store so much anymore i i would much rather give it to people that need it anyway Yeah. So I just today actually had an in-home rummage sale and I just had all my stuff in a room. I only had two people come and look, but they found things that were, that they wanted and took home with them. And I felt good about that. Like, you know, getting rid of stuff. And it was, some of it was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, Some of the kids' clothes, I just have a really I think a lot of moms have a hard time getting rid of kids' clothes. Do you? do you have a hard time you don't have a hard time you know okay so
1: I will say this when it came to getting rid of my daughter's clothes so I I have three boys and then one little girl and then another son
0: okay
1: so when I was expecting our fourth son who came after my daughter I we didn't know he was a boy yet and I had just so so many little girl clothes honestly when I was expecting my daughter she had too many clothes before she was even out the womb. <laughs> I was like, "Girlfriend, your wardrobe is more amazing than mine." Well, it, you don't even need anything yet. But the girls, girls' clothes are so cute. They're so. Gosh, cute. We, were, we were in the South, y'all. So, like, yes, girl clothes are cute, and they are also like really and big bows and like. You need a bow to wear to bed you need a bow for the day. You need a bow for church. And the bigger the bow, the closer you are to the Lord.
0: Well, here in Nebraska, you just need a Carhartt cap. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> you just. <The> <laughs> Carhartt cap. Praise God. <laughs> You're like, that's why we moved. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Jane, my daughter, she wears my Cubs hat all the time. And I'm like, yes, I'm raising this girl right. Um, So, we had all of these little girl clothes. A lot of them were some really nice heirloom pieces. Uh, And some of them were just like super cute Carter's, whatever. Right. And I remembered, oh man, when she was six months old, this was my favorite outfit on her. When she was one, I put her in this all the time. And I could look at these different outfits according to her age. But then also, after we found out we were expecting another boy. I realized okay we don't need all of these right now so many of the clothes that we've received for all of our children have been hand-me-downs mm-hmm. god does not cease to surprise in his generosity uh, we would be in need and then boom like someone would be like hey i have two totes do you guys want to go through them and suddenly we would would have more than enough and so in receiving from someone else's excess I learned okay like what if God wants to use me to provide for somebody else and honestly even if a onesie is really really cute and has all sorts of memories attached to it that's wonderful take a picture of it or frame a picture of the baby in that outfit And then pass the outfit along. It's not doing any good collecting dust in your closet, you know, it's clothing, clothe the naked, you know? So even now, I think I have two outfits from when my daughter was a baby. One of them is one that I wanted to save and the other is one that she picked. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I, I would be fine parting with both if she were game.
0: Really? Oh Yeah. Yeah. Like right now, what I'm feeling right now is a deep like embarrassment, just to be super real. I was just talking to a a woman on my little buy sell trade thing when I was talking about Uh was inviting people to my rummage sale. And um, this woman messaged me and she was like, hey, if you have any clothes this size, this size for the girls, could you set them aside for me? I can't make it today. Sure. Anyway, so we got to talking about getting rid of stuff because the sizes she was asking for i was like but wait your girl's only you know this many years and you're asking for these and i said you know i i do the same thing but like are they gonna fit you or do you know what sizes i have anyway she said well i just keep them for her and she said sometimes i end up with way too many clothes and i said well i completely understand that because i just went through all of my daughter's clothes and i'm having very much the opposite experience that you just described where um so we had four girls in a row and then we had our baby James and the way our life has worked there's a generally just naturally about three years between our children but I'm kind of at an age where I don't know if we'll have any more children so I'm feeling very convicted about like why do I have bags and bags and bags mm-hmm. of clothes particularly for the girls because <coughs> They're going to be like a decade old if we have another baby and if that baby is a girl. So I was feeling very convicted about it. But as you were talking, like, I don't know what it is in me, but I, when, when I talk to you or when we've talked about stuff like this, I get really like, what is my deal? I I told this woman today, I said, I feel like when I give away their clothes, when they are little, that I'm like giving the kids away. Like that's almost the reaction I have where I'm like. There's tears. And I have learned. I have learned the hard way because I've I've done like purges over the year of clothes, cards. I used to keep cards and pay oh, we need to talk about paper
1: clutter. Um I have opinions in case. Oh, you're- and I would love to hear that.
0: So like paper, um, cards, letters, yada yada, yada. I, I'm super melancholic like i feel i just feel things and so i'd turn on like my sad music cuz my sad music actually makes me really happy <laughs> so i'd be like just crying so i've learned to just listen to like bands i've never heard of before like punk alternative punk that i have no seriously like that's how i have to like do you like turn on all-american
1: rejects
0: (laughs) yeah no no i mean yeah that's so i listen you know i listen to my neuroscientist dr andrew huberman and he recommended this one band um that's like his favorite band and i'm like oh i gotta check this out because this guy knows everything about brains and emotions and everything i can't even remember what the band name was called like riot not quite Riot, but it was like Riot something, but it was like this little punk band and I turn it on and I'm like, this is so not my style, but it gets me out of the emotion part of my brain, where I'm not bawling my eyes out, getting rid of clothes. But quite frankly, what I was going to tell you was that I have still too many clothes, like I've picked out my favorites, but I have like 50 favorites per kid and it's, but I still had like boxes of clothes to get rid of. And I have so just i'm gonna just take this to like a vulnerable place i guess i think from like watching on um i used to watch tlc a lot (laughs) but do you remember the show hoarders or maybe it's still on i don't know i don't watch tlc anymore but the show hoarders there was always some kind of like traumatic event usually like people would always say like i wasn't always like this or their kids would say she wasn't like this until my brother died suddenly or she wasn't like this until dad left or he wasn't like this until he had like a triple quadruple bypass heart surgery or there was something major that happened in people's lives and i can attest to that like i wasn't always i was always sentimental but i wasn't always a keeper and i think my keeping particularly with children's clothes is because i had so many miscarriages and so it just became this thing where it was like i just like I can't lose another kid and that's how it felt like because you know um. so when you so I guess now would be a good time to bring in that you do work with clients when you when you have people say in my situation where maybe they've had something traumatic happen, and they're really trying to work through like these things aren't necessary for my life anymore they're not necessary but they're important for some reason because they kind of are like a a very tangible stamp of that event or a tangible thing from that person. And I think as Catholics, we can really understand that because we keep relics. And so I tried to hold this intention like, well, I'm Catholic and we believe in relics and all these important things. And there's like even important places over in the Holy Land. So like, why is it wrong for me to keep these clothes from my kids when they were little. Do you see? I don't know. Maybe I would just love to talk to somebody about this because I've listened to lots of podcasts. Like, I know you're familiar with The Minimalists and maybe Dawn, the Minimal Mom. I listen to them and they've spoken about certain things regarding this. But maybe you can kind of in real time with me go a little deeper here. Like, why? How can we hold this truth of our Catholicism and relics and these important things what about the relics from like my children or my, my world, you know, what would you say to that? Or wait, or if you're working with a client, like how would you work with somebody through
1: that? Goodness. So that's <laughs> fire hose. You know, I, I, I just love your big questions. I will pay <laughs> you
0: later in high fives and hugs. <laughs>
1: oh, anyway, don't. Um, Okay, so yes, all that's a multifaceted question. If I'm working with clients, and i have I have served uh, both families, i uh, and clergy. So, um, and and even within families, just one individual, you know. So, when it's very obvious that then the need to keep things comes from something far deeper, Mm -hmm. then I validate the heck out of that. Because you cannot convince yourself or a client like, okay, well, yeah, sure. Maybe it hurts, but like get, it's time to get rid of it, get rid of it. You can't just say, like, get rid of it and hope that the person will arrive at that same space. Mm -hmm. You really have to go full on Jesus Christ on them and, like, meet them where they are. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. So um, I recently was working with a client who uh, stumbled upon a box of all of her work from her master's degree. Mm. Her master's. This was grueling sacrificial work that she did while she was having a family and she's going through and you know uh, having a master's degree it's different from a bachelor's because you know we go in when we're babies and we're like I want to major in English and but then we graduate we realize what we really love and then like okay well I'll pursue a master's in that and I saw her going through this box and just delighting in it yeah and being so happy about it so she didn't have trauma surrounding this particular box of collections right so she didn't have any of that but she had a great deal of emotion attached to this box because of the work that she endured because of, of the work she exerted and the, the experience she had at the time that's meaningful that's important. Yeah. What I try to bring to my clients in time, so it's very slow. It's a good, slow, patient progression, is the fact that getting rid of the thing does not get rid of the experience or the memory or the person. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's not disrespectful, especially when you're talking about parting with children's clothing or possessions from a late family member, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay if you want to hold on to that. You can hold on to that. There were times when I knew that I was in possession of things that really weren't useful. They weren't serving me. I wasn't going to need them at all. But I kept them for a little bit to give myself that grace, to be patient with myself. So specifically, I'm thinking of my late father's camera. My dad died in 2013 and I received a few of his old possessions, but just the ones that are meaningful to me the ones that I can even use. So I have a couple of mugs, coffee mugs from him. And I love using those. And then I have this antique rifle that's on my wall. And I I love it. I love it. Because I, I have the
0: story surrounding that too. Oh
1: gosh, the, the significance surrounding that particular antique rifle that doesn't even work, honestly, but it's still so important to me. Now, I received his camera. My dad was a wonderful photographer. He was God, I love when I find his photos. I'm like, gosh, this is beautiful. But um I'm not a photographer. And at one point, I I knew like this thing is taking up some space. This was when we lived in that 1,200 square foot home. That's some valuable real estate. Yep. So I got in touch with my siblings and said, I have this. It's hard for me to part with it, but I would rather entrust it to one of you. And my brother said that he would take it. So I mailed it to him. I have no idea what he did with it. Maybe he said, I'll take it so he could just get rid of it for me. And that's fine. That's great. I've been that person for others before. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. Absolutely. You know. Um, but it it was still so very good to honor my own emotional process.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's so important. You can't just rip possessions out of a person's hands. Yeah. Unless they're like ready to get rid of everything, you know, and you can't expect to do that to yourself either.
0: Yeah. So, that, I. <laughs> do you know, have you ever seen the movie, the pursuit of happiness? Yes. Okay. The whole movie is just phenomenal. Cause for one, it's based on a true story, but there's one part in that movie that just breaks my heart. And it's not at the end when like everybody's balling. Yeah. It's when they're in hot pursuit of the guy that stole the little like x-ray machine from the dad and the kids got his one toy and they hit the bus and he'd like something hits him and he drops the toy and he's looking out the window i'm like i know how that feels like i've never had that exact experience but like when something is taken from you and it's your thing that part gets me every time and in castaway when wilson (laughs) wilson okay this
1: is like a universal experience you say have you seen castaway and then a handful of people over here go, well, then. well then. yes, because it's like your things.
0: So one of my favorite people on the whole planet is Jordan Peterson. And he talks about this. I mean, he, he's talked, I've listened to him talk, not about minimalism so much, but like our spaces and how our stuff, like, I don't know exactly. I can't remember exactly how he says it, but it's something like, "Are are you your house? Like, because people would talk about like messes in their homes and, he would say, but isn't because people would say, well, it's not a reflection of me or how I dress isn't a reflection of me or you can't judge me, but you can though because it it is you, it's yeah. how you are in the world and how you dress is how you are in the world and your belongings are how you are in the world so it's an extension of yourself, and so when I look around my house, I'm like, oh, got some girl got some work to do, you know and. And I think that's why that scene in that movie is so poignant to so many people is because on some level, we all understand that things as ridiculous as maybe a volleyball or master's degree work or children's clothes. It's an extension of us somehow. And so how do you, how do you treat yourself lovingly and then like accept that that's just not part of your life anymore and to let go. And to just kind of move along, you know. Yeah. You know, move forward, move along. And um, that is something I've kind of meditated on all year because I'm kind of reaching this point in my life where like, you know, I'm I'm trying to think about my future and my, you know, th- things and like making room for what kind of life I actually want. That's actually one of my favorite sayings. I I can't, I think it was Thoreau maybe that said it. That, or maybe it was Joshua Becker. <laughs> Throw Becker. I don't know, but um, it's perhaps the life that you dream of living is buried underneath all that you own. Yeah, I yeah. think about that quite a lot. Like, like the life that I'm living isn't really the life that I want. But what's stopping me? Is it all my stuff? Probably. You know, because I'm cleaning a lot. I'm like, kid. Like my relationship with my spending your time how am I spending my time and and how it affects my relationships? You know, like, like I want my kids to have toys to play with, but golly, why do you gotta have so many? Oh, right. Cause I keep bringing them into the house for you, you know?
1: So can I, can I speak to a couple of points in there? Please. Okay. So one, it's good mentally for children to have fewer toys. Yes. Better for them because, um, children with fewer toys are more creative. They have better attention spans and they have less anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. And doesn't that sound like the kind of kid you want to exist right now? It you know, Like the kind of adult too. Right. <laughs> Thank you. So good. Um, and then too when I, I also read that, you know, the life you wanted is buried underneath all of your stuff. Pretty sure, pretty sure that's Joshua Becker. Okay, I don't think it was Thoreau.
0: I just wanted to sound smart. Maybe it was though I read Thoreau. <laughs> I've read a few pages. George Bernard Shaw who said <laughs> Marcus um, Aurelius said that
1: Marcus Aurelius. I think it was Socrates who said, "What you want is buried under all." Of <laughs> Okay. So this is like my favorite and and it is a flex, right? And I recognize that, but it is my favorite minimalism flex that I have (laughs) that I read that quotation and I realized I could go to Iceland if I wanted to. So I, in 2018, maybe the end of 2017, I was almost a year, maybe somewhere between six months and a year postpartum. I was exhausted. And I was pining, pining for a getaway. I just wanted to go somewhere very far, where there weren't any people. And I just wanted to experience something, anything.
0: Islands. (laughs) <laughs> that's like some serious alone time <laughs> I had to go to Iceland
1: to get a long time I go to Hyve. I mean I'm kind of the frozen might be as expensive as frozen Iceland section. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> this okay.
0: was what Katie must have felt like <laughs> you open a freezer door <laughs> polar bears are like, hey, what's up? no <laughs> There's probably not even polar bears in Iceland. They're all right. Yeah, but... I'm really showing my ignorance tonight. like throw polar bears in Iceland.
1: <laughs> yes, I homeschool my kids no. and
0: <laughs> it's fun. It's all good.
1: So I was, I really wanted to get away, and at the time, I saw this movie, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and I was completely oh. captivated by yeah. the landscape is it's mostly shot in Iceland even the sh- the parts that are in Greenland are in Iceland so and I had a friend who had already gone and she was a wife and a mom of two little kids and she went with a friend just cuz and I remember looking at her and being like I didn't know you could do that yeah mm-hmm. and so uh, that epiphany coupled with this ache to get away It was a wonderful propeller for me. And I started to look around again, not touching anything that my family needed or my husband owned, but just my stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. And I
1: started to look around and think like, Mm -hmm. okay, do I want to keep this or do I want to stuff a few dollars in an Iceland savings? Hmm. And when I would even like, I, I got really into purses for a hot minute and loved my purses. And I would look at each one and I'd be like, do I want this? Or do I want a cup of coffee in Iceland? And because I knew what I wanted, Mm -hmm. it was so easy. I had no difficulty being like, okay, well, purse, you were super cute, but you're not as cute as a cup of coffee in Iceland. Mm -hmm. So I was able to just slice through a lot of that emotional difficulty, a lot of the hemming and hawing, because I knew what I wanted. Now, I wanted a trip. And I got my trip. Yes, you did. I, yes, I did. Praise God. And it's like the one of the most significant mm-hmm. milestones of my life. So maybe a person, a listener doesn't have Iceland. Maybe you're like, well, shoot, I really love just staying at home in my own house. That's awesome. Okay. So what kind of life do you want in your own house? Mm -hmm. And can you look at your excess and ask yourself, do I want this more than the lifestyle that I'm after?
0: Yeah. And I think too, like, just to add to that, I don't, I don't think it even has to be on a grand scale. So that's actually how I got through my, um, my recent, like, collection for my rummage sale my indoor rummage sale there were two things I I really started to think about like blessing other people because I know how many times I've been blessed with with people's hand-me-downs or finding stuff at a thrift store that somebody gave away and they don't even know me right I was gonna find it but it was like exactly what I needed um but the other thing was is I just have like I just have this many more seconds to spend arguing with people about where we're keeping things or looking for stuff or whatever like my time has just become so much more valuable yeah i i don't know maybe it's i don't know i don't know what it is i'm just like melancholic and think about death all the time but i'm just like my i don't know like maybe my midlife i've said this lately i'm like maybe my midlife was when i was 29 you know like maybe i'm past my midlife and I think it's because I've known some young people that have died not to make this all. uh, Like sad and everything, but I've I've known some very young people that have died within the last year and i'm just thinking like. Do I like i'm not i'm not exempt from that at all, and so do I want to spend, even if I have 40 years left, do I want to spend that with um you know sifting through stuff like. No, and we were talking about something earlier about, you know, when you're passing down stuff. I have been shocked, totally shocked at myself and other people. My both my grandmothers have died. They, they, they both of them lived well into their nineties, and both of them have died within the last seven years. And I have been so surprised at what I've wanted to keep and what others like my cousins, um, and even my my aunts and uncles like what everybody's wanted to keep. Like one grandma died, house full of stuff. Of course, these are depression era women, right? Keep every keep tinfoil, keep the margin, thing, all the things. I had one cousin who wanted my grandma's flower sifter. You know, the can like the flower sifter yeah, because memory of making um, sugar cookies with her. So that's all he wanted was her flower sifter from that same grandma. I kept her tube of lipstick. She had this little container thing by her back door and and As long as I can remember and as long as she was able to get out her back door, she would always stop and she had a little mirror and she would put on her lipstick and so I have her little. it's so old, you know and and like I have her little thing of lipstick and then I took hooks from her house because I loved the hooks from her house. And I mean I have a couple other things from her, but I was surprised like she had a really nice China and she had all these other things and it was like nobody wanted those things we wanted like. From my other grandma i wanted a spoon because i just have these memories of grandma at thanksgiving and christmas and they were all worn on the side yeah. sorry that wasn't a very good like image here for the camera but like just you know these these particular things i think will be shocked at what people want to keep from us yes. when when we're gone and and it's like i don't want you know i don't want your fancy tchotchka in your cabinet i want like your old t-shirt maybe or your whatever God. that was actually something that was heartbreaking when my grandma died she had this one shirt that she wore all the time and I looked high and low my cousin cleaned out my grandma's house and I was like if you and I had a picture of my grandma in that shirt and I was like if you find this shirt I want it and she, my grandma had given it away like just six I didn't even think to tell her like when I think of you I think of you in that shirt and it still bugs me that I do not have that shirt but i'm okay you know and i think that's the other piece of this is that i have i as sentimental as i am i have gotten rid of things many things over the years that have been sentimental or things that in hindsight i'm like ah maybe should have kept that but i always remind myself of what you said earlier like there's i didn't actually get rid of of anything or anyone you know i like Got rid of the thing, but I also forget you said something like this at one of the talks I heard you. Um you were getting rid of like your wedding china or something, and I think Andrew was like, but but it's our wedding china, it's from our wedding, and, and I heard, went, but I am also from our wedding. <laughs> and I was like, but I but I'm also from our wedding, and I that really was impactful for me because when I think about like my grandmas, I'm like. I am my grandma. Like I share DNA with my grandma. So there's no, there's like no way I can get rid of my grandma. Either one of them, like I am them essentially, you know? So like, I have so many mannerisms and so many characteristics and, and values that they pass down. And like, what's better than that? Like, I don't need, I don't even need this. I don't need the spoons. I'm probably never going to get rid of the spoons, but like, you know, like i think we forget like you said we're body and and uh soul but what's more important what's always more important the soul
1: yes so yeah, it's fascinating how people now you know people our age are when when loved ones pass away it's really interesting what we keep mm-hmm. versus maybe what our parents kept yeah or what another generation has valued. So I mean, you you wanted a spoon, your cousin wanted a flower sifter. Those are very practical things with significant memories tied to them. And I remember my dad making coffee every morning. I remember I fell in love with the aroma of coffee when I was just three or four. He would be making coffee and he would take his folgers tin and open it up and bring it down to my little face so I could just. And I would smell it and I loved it. So the fact that I have his coffee mugs, that's important. And it's also useful. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, when it came to the wedding china that Andrew and I used once when we had our bishop over for dinner. And honestly, our bishop was so chill. We probably could have used like the chinette instead of the china. (laughs) Um, And I think he would have preferred it. And, and then I think for one anniversary, we had like Dunkin' Donuts on a piece of china. <laughs> so, but other than that, just stayed in boxes and it came with us wherever we moved. And I thought, this is silly. Like, this is why are we holding on to this? Mm-hmm. We opened up a box and I thought, I don't even like this pattern anymore. It's yeah. just not my style. So, yeah, we donated the china after I reminded Andrew that I too am from our wedding. Um, uh, and that, that was funny. He was like, yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hold on to me. Let's get rid of the China. You know, you want to get all metaphysical on me. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I, uh, but it kind of goes back to the whole psychological and emotional component. Yeah. We can't make anyone part with something that they're not willing to part with unless we're willing to like do some damage. You know, I don't know how many times my parents would like present a trash bag to me and be like, fill it. Mm. And I'd be like, "Mm, what do I do? And, and you better believe that as a mom, I've totally gone into my boy's room and been like, this is empty. I want it. Mm -hmm. But my kids, they're way more emotionally intelligent than I was at their ages so at one point my son came up to me and he said when you come in here with a trash bag I feel threatened whoa and I was like well that's not what I'm I mean it kind of was what I was going for (laughs) but but is that the best way to go about it like no no so I remember telling my kids when we get rid of stuff that belongs to you I want you to keep your favorites. You Mm -hmm. keep the best. You keep what you love. I remember telling my oldest, I was kind of walking him through getting rid of some Paw Patrol toys. And he said, well, I used to play with that. And I said, right, but why can't I ever get you to play outside or do your homework or eat a meal? And he said, because I'm playing with Legos. And I was like, yeah, man, like you've graduated so this was super great and you you've moved on so let's let another little kid play with it yeah that he could wrap his mind around he wasn't losing anything yeah
0: yeah i think that's a it's an important thing to instill in your children young i have some children that are just more able to do it just on their own um Mm -hmm. I have one child who just has really adopted my like but it's special to me and i got you know and like i gotta keep all the things and and like i look at her stuff and i'm like why would you keep that you know i just i'm even as much of a keeper it's it's not my stuff so i'm totally detached and i'm like why would you keep that and then i have another child who she's just i don't need it anymore just totally doesn't have a problem with it at all not a big deal somebody else yeah. it, whatever and I really admire that about her I mean she's only nine and I'm like that's really amazing that you somehow are like that living yeah. with, me. like I don't it's just really fascinating for one thing but way to go way to be an example to me yeah peace um, Yeah, and I used to have those moments too with my children of just like the angry, clean up this room, because as much as I love to keep stuff, that's the really interesting thing about my stuff is it at the same time makes me so frustrated, you know, because it's like, I need a clean house to think straight and, but I also need my things and there's always this tension and I've gotten better over the years as, as I've, I, I really do believe it's like a, it's a it's a spiritual woundedness or or something. I really do think that that for me anyway is kind of the root of it um so as I've gone through like healing processes of of you know, mending that part of myself, it's gotten easier mm-hmm. to let go again. Um, and so I don't have the angry outbursts of like, you guys, everything's a mess and I can't get my thoughts together um but yeah, with the kids it's just a real, uh, it's a training ground for it is. Sure.
1: I know whenever I start with a new client, I tell them right off the bat, I am not naturally this way.
0: Yeah. I am
1: a recovering pack rat.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, because I kept, I oh shoot, I kept stinking everything when I was a kid. I had a drawer, one of my dresser drawers was full of homework. Mm-hmm. Like graded homework. And this was homework that I had done really well at doing. This was homework where I like liked the way I wrote my name on that paper. So I kept the paper. This was homework that I failed. And then I kept the failed homework as a, a lesson for myself. So I would work harder. Nice. I was like eight, right? Why am I doing this? Why? I kept everything, the the special rocks, the special sticks my room was such a disaster that so often my mom would tell my big sister like here i'll pay you if you go in and help katie clean her room
0: which and might have actually been a genius move don't you think rather than like maybe mom no i'm <laughs> reading your facial expressions no <laughs> to say. To say. in to our- tough times <laughs> yeah well in our family sometimes that actually is better than like sending a sibling in than to do those kind of things than the mom because sometimes there's too too much baggage if you will to like go in and handle this and so sometimes the kids are just like what just clean your room you know and they and and then it's fine it's fine between the siblings right. and...
1: okay sorry i didn't mean to interrupt your story but <laughs> you know what send in the sibling um (laughs) my sister is nine and a half ish years my senior so um she was like another mom
0: to me uh,
1: and uh so yeah if your kids are a little closer you send in the sibling that's a great idea (laughs) my sister would come in i remember her finding this piece of wood that i had on my dresser and she was like what is this and I was able to tell her, oh, that's a piece of driftwood from the first time I rode a boat across the Chesapeake Bay.
0: And she was like, okay. And She was like,
1: why do you have it? And I was like, because, because, <laughs> and, and she was like, mom, she's keeping wood. And she didn't like, that's just, it wasn't important to her. She didn't recognize like why I wanted to keep it, why it was important to me. And I, like, I completely get it. I completely get it. Yeah. But it's funny because those are the things that I, I remember that stinking piece of driftwood every time I go into a kid's room and I'm like, why, why, why that piece of trash? <laughs> <What happened?" laughs> like what why is it why did you keep a corner of this piece of paper and not the whole paper like what ha- you know? because we as human beings we have our reasons for keeping things are they good reasons no that's why you need like sometimes another set of eyes another mind helping you through detaching with your things and that's really great and beneficial but it's also highly important to recognize oh okay, so maybe I'm keeping this because of the memory. Sure. But what else is there? Why am I really holding this? Yeah.
0: I, I, something you just said, like, I, I listened to this guy and, and again, I listen to a lot of people that study brains and why people attach memory, attach memories to certain things and how to have good conversation with people, especially when the stakes are high. Mm -hmm. And this, the, the guy said, um, we aren't people aren't generally reasonable people we're emotional we make emotional decisions mm-hmm. and so you do have to craft your words and your approach to people in a way that taps into their their mode of thinking that's that is reasonable and but but generally it's just emotion it's just emotion and uh you know people don't buy cars because it's a sensible car they buy cars because they like the way it makes them feel when they're driving car or why we buy certain pieces of clothing it's emotional it's not you know and we'll we'll make we'll make uh we'll make up reasons to support our emotional decisions and I find myself doing that with stuff all the time like well I'm keeping this because you know Mm -hmm. but really it's just emotion like fear or comfort or memory or whatever there's actually like zero reason behind it most of the time
1: right we're we're really good at justifying and then uh listening to our own justifications as just gospel like no no no. this is important to me and right now we're there's uh the age we're living in is a double-edged sword because right now what has surfaced is this inclination toward validating our own emotions and our experiences is that important absolutely yes it is but then instead of saying okay well why do i feel this way Mm -hmm. because emotions are information right it's just information so it, it it can make suggestions It can tell you what maybe you think you need but at the same time sometimes i think we think we will stop at just validating emotion and say, well, I want it because it's important to me. And then we keep, you know, or or we justify and we're like, okay, well, I justify from this emotional place in myself. And then we're like, oh, okay, well, emotional. Oh, Mm -hmm. and then that's it, you know? So um, it's, it's tough. I think it's important for us to, you know, you look at the traumas behind, people who who hoard right I live I live next door to a hoarder who not only has an excess of just stuff on his property but an excess of properties he has multiple homes and they are full and I think what happened to him what happened to you because that's not that's not a natural thing right so it's important to look at these things and and ask why Mm -hmm. or ask what's going on and then to address that Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so instead of just saying well this is why because and then accept that as a satisfactory answer for keeping what should honestly belong to our brother
0: yeah totally agreed I think that's a good place to kind of
1: yeah
0: for now because I would love to do this again and have another conversation with you kind of picking up where we're going to leave off tonight yeah we just wrap up with this can you give us some advice going forward into the advent christmas season how to make room in our life for jesus for other people as the holidays approach and we might be inviting people into our home um without causing ourselves too much stress or self-flagellation about maybe we should have done this earlier in the year or how can we proceed into the prayerfully with kind of a clearing out mindset to make room for those that we love
1: oh that's so good okay so as we're approaching Christmas there is a propensity to make Advent a mad dash for decorating for buying for parties and honestly advent has become kind of a secular season of excess so using that filter of what is it that i want to experience christmas morning Mm -hmm. how do i want my advent to look like you know do i want it to be really a time of joyful anticipation end up focusing on awaiting the coming of the Messiah. Okay, well then, once you answer those questions, then live from there. Mm -hmm. So many of us get caught up in the buying of presents, especially for our children. And I, I think this is a pretty popular guideline, the whole something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. And we don't get our kids more than that. Oh, so I try to actually abide by that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they—they they love it. We love it, especially like we'll open the books on Christmas Eve, and so Christmas Eve, everyone is on couches under blankets reading a new book and um, happy and excited. And I try to make their gifts as experience-oriented as possible. So their rooms, I'll, I mean, what, we live in 1400 square feet. So that means that a lot of our stuff is like, especially in the kids' rooms. I mean, it doesn't look like the minimalist family in their rooms.
0: It's not all beige with like cubbies
1: and wooden toys. Oh man, okay. it is not a catalog. <laughs> up in the of the house. Let me tell you. But I think, okay, is this item that I want to purchase for them? Is that just going to end up on the floor under a bed neglected unwanted uncared about you know or is this going to be something that they're jazzed for you know one year we bought our son um some fire extinguishers weirdest thing he was over the moon and every everyone in the house all of his siblings were like you got the best Christmas gift yeah Because he was like, can we go have a backyard fire? And we're like, yeah. And then we had the backyard fire with marshmallows. And he goes, I'll put it out. Yeah. And he was stoked. He was stoked. So when you make their gifts more about experiences, when you keep their gifts few, then you keep the focus on Jesus. What is this about, really? Is this about everybody waking up and getting a whole bunch of stuff? No, it's not. (laughs) So when you are examining the kind of Advent you want to have, the kind of Christmas morning you want to have, it looks peaceful, doesn't it? So make your calendar reflect that. Do you have to go to every Christmas party? Do you have to host? Do you really have to host? Be peaceful, wait, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's that's my insight with regard to christmas and advent we we don't put the tree up until christmas eve here um and that takes a lot of discipline just for me because i grew up in a house where it was like day after thanksgiving baby they're yeah. so fun and i loved it right
0: yeah. so
1: and then turning on christmas music like i mean shoot one of the stations here started playing christmas music since november 1st
0: well Um, not to brag but we've been listening to christmas music all year because i have a christmas baby and she is she loves her birthday she loves the christmas season so we listen to christmas music in april and in may and june and july
1: (laughs) joy (laughs) of the lord right there all
0: these people that are like you need to stop listening to christmas music i'm like i don't know at the hammond household it is a year long thing and there's parts of it i love it doesn't take away the, the magic, but I, I like your idea of waiting. I don't think people often think of Advent as a waiting period or even a sacrificial period to, to get rid of the, the things that keep us from expecting our Lord. You know, I haven't been in that mindset for most of my life.
1: Yeah, same. Honestly, I mean, it it wasn't until um, a deliberate turnaround several years ago that I was like, oh, okay, so if I want this kind of Christmas morning, then that means I need to cultivate that within myself, which takes some doing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, every year, it takes a lot of effort against my own inclinations. But Mm -hmm. gosh, it's so amazing. I mean, have you ever woken up Christmas morning, and it's just like, oh, yeah, but then have you ever woken up Christmas morning and it's a really wonderful and joyful experience that's yeah. possible.
0: We definitely had um, last year we had a very peaceful Christmas the year before we it was fun, but we were exhausted because we were trying to do too much. We got way too many gifts for each of the kids and then last year, quite frankly, we just couldn't do it because I was down and out pregnant and then had a new baby. So I just physically couldn't, even online, I just couldn't wrap my head around like the the jungle, as I like to call Amazon. I just yeah. couldn't wrap my head around like the the endless, the tyranny of choice. Like there's just so many options for anything I would look up. I just couldn't. And, and I think last year that was the get, my son who was born was, my gift to me because he helped me see where because i just physically couldn't do anything at the end of my pregnancy and then after was just like breastfeeding all the time And snuggled, snuggled right. my right. New body. but i think that was the gift is that it helped me see where i had gone um and i know people are gonna probably rake me over the coals for this but like where i had gone wrong all the years before because I we really had to be deliberate last year and we got each of the kids maybe five or six kind of smallish gifts but they were deliberate on who that kid was and yeah, I, remember, right. best. I remember at the end of like the gift opening last year my husband and I looked at each other and we both were like we nailed it this year it was like the first year I like I said that to him I'm like we nailed it and he goes we did because we got everybody just these small little gifts but it was all stuff that they wanted and stuff that they still use Uh, and so I was like how can we repeat that like how did we how did we do that right you know so I'm kind of going like in the military they do these after action reports I'm like (laughs) my after action report like how Uh, can we recreate that kind of Christmas yeah because I wasn't busy like I just couldn't do it So, even though I'm physically capable this year, I'm trying to do that. But that's excellent advice just to like, to stick to those four points. Can you repeat those? Something they want, something Something
1: they want, something they need, something to wear, and something they read. And the wear, I always thought of like, like pants, you know, like, no, like, they always need underwear. They always need underwear. Are they going to be excited about it? No. But we got, um, last year we got my six-year-old this really great snow cap it was like a pikachu um, snow wow. cap and he freaked out and he wore it for like a week just yeah. all the time in the house. he loved it he loved it so
0: um so it could be like, like knee pads or something for their razor yeah. scooter, just something they put on their body it doesn't have to be like an article of like a button-down shirt or something normal
1: clothing yeah it doesn't yeah.
0: oh that's cool i'm glad you, you
1: apply did. this to your person great yeah. like awesome. that
0: earrings. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, Katie, I love you so much. You're one of my favorite people. You. And this was like so much better than I even expected it to be. So I hope we do this again. But in the yeah. meantime, if people want to work with you, um, to have you come to their home and help them kind of sort out... Their stuff or if they have questions for you. If you take questions, maybe you don't even take questions, but if people want to get a hold of you for, for um consultations, how can people find you or read about what you do?
1: Sure. So you can um I work with people locally in Omaha and in Lincoln in the surrounding areas. And then I will also work with people remotely. Of course, it's not going to be as involved, but it is something you can find me at katieceba.com. And SIBA is S-C-I-B-A. So SIBA like scissors and science. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I love questions. This is one of my absolute favorite things to discuss. It's something that lights a fire in me. And I I love other people experiencing it as well and embracing it. So I'm here for it, you know?
0: Well, I want to do this again because this was so much Kathy. fun. I have like I didn't even touch like probably ninety percent of
1: the questions I had written down. But <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, it's one of those like honestly, it's an endless topic. I mean, you could you could just yeah. like, hours and hours about it. So yeah, yeah,
0: which is which is kind of uh, oxymoronic, you know? That it's like never <laughs> minimalism. <laughs> I have so many conversations about minimalism. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I will um, be in touch and I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too, girl. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Okay.